Welcome to GivePod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast, unpacking the challenges and opportunities facing our region. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. We're in the midst of a series on regional leadership, speaking with mayors in Metro Vancouver about the issues impacting their communities. Joining us today is New Westminster Mayor Jonathan Cote. Mayor Cote, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. Oh, thank, thank you, Bridget, and uh, looking forward to the, the conversation. So why don't we start at the beginning? You were first elected to council in 2005. You served three terms as councillor and then two terms as mayor. And this is in addition to numerous boards in the community. So what inspired you to become so involved in public service? Yeah, well, you know, I think for for myself, uh, you know, my my background has always had a strong interest in, in urban planning. So, uh, you know, I think you combine that with uh, a little bit of interest in in, in politics, and uh, local government seems to be uh, seem to be a, a good good fit for that. Uh, but you know, I know when I first ran uh, for for city council, I was I was in my twenties at that time, and I'll be honest, I didn't actually expect to end up on council, but uh, lo and behold. Uh, uh, I must have found some magic in that campaign and uh, and and kind of has started me on this, uh, you know, really amazing journey and, and involved in local government. 17 years on council is a long time. How would you say New West has evolved in that time? Yeah, well, you know, New West has gone through a, a lot of changes and a lot of positive changes during during that time. It's a city that has seen a significant amount of, of growth during during that period. Uh, it's also seen a lot of opportunities to invest more in in amenities, uh, community centers, and park spaces that have really kind of brought life to the community. And uh, you know, I think of even downtown New Westminster. Uh, you know, that's been a, a neighborhood that's kind of had its ups and downs over the years, um, but uh, but kind of really being part of time where uh, part part of a local government where that uh, that neighborhood really started to see a lot of growth and, and, and coming back to life has, has, you know, has been wonderful to kind of see because that's always a central point in, in the city of New Westminster. Well, I think Stats Can says that the city of New West has grown by uh, more than 10% since 2016, which is pretty sizable growth. So what do you hear from some of these new residents and from some potential residents uh, about what attracts them to New West? I mean, I know, I know the, the city quite well. There's Queens Park, there's the Key, there's the river, but you know, what are the things that are attracting the new residents to your city? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think first and foremost, uh, New West is right in the center of, of Metro Vancouver. So in, in terms of being connected to the region, uh, you know, we're, we're well connected and, and close to to everything, uh, you know, being being right in the middle. Uh, you know, I think the other thing, too, being the oldest uh, oldest city in the region is, uh, you know, we still have kind of the bones of that good urban character that uh, that we all kind of love. You know, those traditional commercial main streets. Uh, we've got really excellent public transit. And, uh, you know, I think it's those kind of factors there. I, I even think to myself when my wife and I, uh, you know, when we were just getting married, deciding where we wanted to, you know, wanted to buy our first townhouse. Uh, we chose New Westminster mainly because it had great SkyTrain and it would allow us to get us to our, our jobs. And I think it's it's kind of those kind of factors that I, I think really initially draw people here. But I, I actually think it's it's kind of the uh, kind of that small town community feel, but in a big city that uh, that really wins people's hearts in, in the city of New Westminster. And certainly, you know, when a lot of people are drawn to New Westminster, whether it's, uh, you know, brides for their wedding dresses or antique shopping, I think there's a lot of things that um, uh, New West is really well known for. And I think the key is one of those that stand out as well. 
When you look over the last 17 years, though, every community has got challenges and some more than others um, that have come to light over the last many years, affordability being one of them for sure. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges facing New West? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, some of our biggest challenges aren't dissimilar to to all of the challenges cities are facing in, in, in Metro Vancouver. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to talk, have any conversation with, with a neighbor or anyone in, in our region without housing affordability coming up and, and the challenge mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we have, uh, you know, even myself with my three kids, I often wonder how are they going to find, a, you know, find the right place in, in, in a housing market uh, that we have. So uh, no doubt, uh, you know, New West hasn't, hasn't been alone, uh, but we have faced those, those challenges which have put pressure on, on, on the community uh, for, for sure. Uh, you know, I mentioned also before that, you know, New Westminster is right in the center of the region, which can sometimes be a benefit, but sometimes it can be a bit of a curse because when you're right in the middle of the region, it means everyone's kind of going through you. And, uh, you know, with that comes, uh, you know, comes a busyness and comes a, a lot of congestion that uh, that we've often often face challenges there. So, um, you know, I think you, you have to take the good and the bad with uh, with some of those kind of locational things there. Um, but, you know, I, I look at transportation and, and housing issues, and those are those are always going to be important top issues, but I, I think they really have to be front and center uh, issues with, uh, with local government leadership. And what has been Council's approach to addressing some of the challenges around housing that other communities in our region could learn from? Yeah, well, you know, I think the, the housing file is, is one that, uh, you know, has, has been really important to me and, and been really supported by, uh, by New West Council of, of really trying to uh, throw the kitchen sink at whatever policy tools that that we have have available, and you know I think there's a full spectrum. Uh, you know we've we've introduced new policies to encourage the development of of new rental housing because uh, you know our region really didn't see a lot of new rental housing built for a 20 to 30 year period in our region, uh, and it's only recently when local governments and other levels of government have have started changing some of the incentives to get developers thinking more about building that form form of housing to, to relieve some of the, the stress and lack of supply there. And, uh, you know, New Westminster were leaders 10 years ago implementing policies that are now starting to uh, start to result in, in more rental housing in the community. I think we've also recognized we, we need to find ways to, uh, to, to make room for, for non-market housing in, in our communities as, as well too. I think we've, you know, many communities have faced social challenges and, and we got to recognize there are people that are, are falling through, through the cracks and um, opportunities, local governments in themselves can't, can't take on those issues, but there are ways, that, whether it's providing land or making uh, zoning poss- processes possible uh, to partner with nonprofits and other levels of government to, to, get, to get some of that more supportive housing that I think all of our communities really need to support, uh, you know, the people in our society who are unfortunately kind of falling through the cracks. In speaking to some of your counterparts, a pretty clear message is coming through about the need for the different levels of government to work together, for everybody to come to the table to really have some long-term solutions to the housing problem. And it's a point I think that you make here too. It's not just one thing that the municipality can do or one thing a developer can do. It's quite a complex issue. Yeah, you know, I, I think the housing issue, I, I kind of see it as a, as a spectrum all the way to, you know, how do we make sure, you know, housing affordability, you know, is ownership is, is people have access to it all the way down to to dealing with the issue of homelessness to, you know, the whole spectrum in, in, in between. But, you know, I think the reality is all levels of government have, uh, you know, have a role to play in, in the affordability of the issue. And I think local governments, you know, we, we do have to do our bit to, to advocate provincially and federal governments to step up in areas that they, they really have, uh, have, have, have kind of failed in, in, in the past couple of, couple of decades. But I also say, you know what, local governments have tools at their disposal as well, too. And, you know, I often say, 
you know, local government's affordable housing plan, if it just involves advocating upper levels of government, we, we actually really don't have an affordable housing plan. We need to find the solutions that, that can combine and partner with, uh, with the upper levels of government if we're really going to, to make progress on this. The other um, issue that you mentioned as a challenge is around congestion and transportation. And you have had a big regional voice here as the chair of the TransLink Mayor's Council since 2019. And, you know, looking at transit, ridership obviously plummeted through the pandemic. It is coming back, but it still hasn't fully recovered, which impacts revenues. And and just looking at, you know, the regional transit system, it's facing some pretty significant funding challenges. What are some long-term solutions that should be applied here? Yeah, well, you know, I, although we've uh, had a bit of a roller coaster ride uh, through the COVID period uh, with, with our transit system, I, you know, I'm still... Uh, still very bullish that uh, Metro Vancouver has all the good bones to be, uh, you know, a transit transit city and and a good solid public transit system is is an integral part of our uh, of our region's transportation system, particularly as we're anticipated to grow uh, by a million people over the next uh, next couple couple of decades. So, uh, to me, is now is not the time to be you know losing focus and interest in in making the important investments. But I think the reality is we we have to say how we fund public transit is 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 broken. Right now, it, it largely relies on things like transit fares, property taxes, uh, and the gas tax. And you know, as we've seen, you know, transit fares has been vulnerable during this COVID period. And I'm optimistic that's uh, you know we're starting to see life come back, and those revenues will return over time. But even uh, the gas tax, uh, as we move to electric vehicles, that's no longer going to be a sustainable source. It's a of diminishing revenue. source of revenue. So we need to have a serious conversation about uh, uh, about replacing that with a, 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 a sustainable long-term uh, funding source for for our transportation system. Because, um, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, not properly investing and in maintaining our transportation system and our public transit assets is is really not an option for for the Metro Vancouver region. But we're going to have to have some difficult conversations about uh, different ways to to replace uh, and augment uh, our, our funding sources. And not easy conversations to have. I think we've all learned that whether it's about housing or it's about transportation, some tough decisions need to be made that will have implications uh, to individuals' pocketbooks. So how, as you know, a person who serves in public service, how do you manage that kind of difficult conversation? Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, anytime you're talking about new funding sources, uh, you know, ultimately, where someone has to pay for it somewhere, yeah. somewhere down, <laughs> down the line. And, uh, and those are never, never easy, easy discussions. And, you know, I think, I think you need to have kind of thoughtful, thoughtful approaches that, that really kind of weigh the benefits of, you know, who, who's being impacted by the, uh, uh, by the different uh, taxation sources. What are the unintended consequences? Because, you know, we all know that there are certain tax sources that might have a, a real detrimental impact to the local economy. Well, that's that's counterproductive. So I, I think you you need to be really, really mindful. Thinking of the, the transportation sector, you know, there are a variety of different potential funding options. Uh, you know, I know we had the, the failed referendum on, on an increase in the sales tax to, to be a, a part of that, but I'll, I'll be perfectly upfront. I, I still think that shouldn't be off the table as a long-term discussion. Um, you know, as, as a leaving politician, I can maybe be a little bit more courageous, but I, I think the discussion about mobility pricing is one that uh, uh, really deserves some, some time and merit in, in the region because, you know, not only does that help generate revenue to help fund transportation infrastructure, but also helps manage road space and, and be able to reduce congestion quite effectively and has been very effective in other, other parts of the region. So 
I know it can be politically unpopular, but I, I think there has to be some space for that conversation to have in the next five to 10 years in our region. And you're right. You've got a good window to to bring some of these uh, to the forefront. And certainly at the Board of Trade, you know, we've talked about a regional approach approach to mobility pricing and not seeing that currently in the region. And so uh, I agree that there needs to be a more uh, stand back and take a look at the uh, holistic issue for sure. Uh, speaking of difficult conversations, another one comes to mind that would be pre-COVID and it was around um, the intermunicipal ride hailing license. And, you know, for those who are listening who maybe don't remember this, but when we were getting into the ride sharing, which took a long, long time to come to our region, there was also a big disconnect between our 20 plus municipalities about how this would work. But the mayor's council and yourself had a huge win here. And if if you could walk us through what that process was like, because that seemed like a huge hill to climb. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it, it, that seems like a lifetime ago, pre-COVID. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, that was, uh, you know, three years ago, that was a, a major issue that uh, that was facing us. And as as the province began to open up uh, ride hailing into the communities, um, the challenge we face in, in having a Metro Vancouver region made up of, of 21 different municipalities is what immediately started to happen is you were getting a patchwork of policies that were inconsistent and, and the reality is just not uh, not doable there. So, you know, it, it, it took a, a few months of, of getting people together and, and moving around. But, um, you know, I actually think the Mayor's Council and even Translink, which is not really the, the type of organization you would think that would jump in, but you needed that kind of Metro Vancouver regional organization to, to kind of take the bull by the horns with this issue kind of stepped in and got, we need a regional solution there. And, you know, to me, it's, you know, I would say that's a, a perfect example of, of where regionalism works in, in, in Metro Vancouver, because, you know, I think as individual communities, we're all, all proud and, and we are, you know, we love the uniqueness of our cities and there's always going to be differences there. But the reality is, is, you know, a region like Metro Vancouver has to have that collaboration and, and work as a federation on these big regional issues because uh, there's so many examples where a patchwork of policies or a patchwork of services is not an efficient or effective way to, to deal with those issues. And uh, to me, I think Metro Vancouver, you know, we have, uh, we have an interesting history, but overall, in terms of regional cooperation, whether that's at TransLink or whether that's at, uh, at Metro Vancouver, the Metro Vancouver board, actually does have a lot of good examples of where we've effectively been able to work together as, as municipalities. So looking over your shoulder then at the last 17 years or so, are we getting better at working as a region? You know what? Uh, you know, I, I, I'd say it's kind of like sometimes it feels like a bit of a roller coaster ride. Some days it, it yeah. feels like we're moving in, in the right direction. And in other days, uh, you know, we seem to be more solely focused uh, individually on our own municipalities. But, you know, I think I think the structures are, are in place and uh, uh, to, to really kind of promote and, and protect, uh, you know, kind of regional decision making and, and regional solutions. But but ultimately, it, it comes down to actually having the local leaders buying into to regionalism as well, too, because uh, we can we can have the work of the mayor's council and the work of the Metro Vancouver board. But if the people those around those tables aren't working well together, then then these kind of solutions uh, aren't going to be found as easily. That's pretty good advice that uh, you can leave on the table as you step away because you've announced that you're not going to be running again in the upcoming municipal election. You made the announcement on January 1st on New Year's Day. And in making the announcement, you cited the pandemic as playing a factor in your decision. What was it about the last two years that really kind of pushed you to say, you know, it's time to do something different? 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think during the COVID period, I think we've all had uh, had some opportunities to kind of just be a little bit more reflective of, of, of life. And, you know, I know myself, uh, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is, uh, you know, being a mayor is, you know, I've really enjoyed the opportunity and the job, but it can be very demanding. And, and evenings and weekends were often, you know, full full game in terms of the role. But suddenly with the pandemic, my evenings and weekends became a little bit more free. And, you know, I've got three three kids and being able to be home for dinner every night, uh, you know, sometimes you don't realize what what you're missing until it's, uh, you know, kind of staring you right back in, in, in your face there. And, you know, I think my wife and I, we kind of realized, you know what, we need to find a little bit of better balance in, in, in the work we're doing. And, uh, you know, I have no regrets in the 17 years in, in public office that I've spent, but um, you know, there's part of me going, I'm, I, I still have a lot to give and, and I'm eager to, to the next adventure, but, but that a different work-life balance is, is definitely something I'm, I'm striving for as well. And I think, I think a lot of people are having similar conversations this time. I have had dozens and dozens of these conversations from the public sector and the private sector. I think the pandemic gave everybody an opportunity to review and just kind of think about what they wanted the next chapter of their life to be. So now that you have this window for the next few months, you are really in, I think, a unique position given how long you served your regional voice. What would you say, uh, you know, is there anything that you wish you would have done that you're just simply running out of time now. Well, you know, I've I've, I've tried not to uh, to kind of uh, leave on 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 any kind of regret. Uh, to me, I've I've really actually started this year going, what can I get done in this uh, in this time? And to me, it's about finishing up and kind of uh, ending on 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 a good weight, whether it's the city or whether it's the work that I'm 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 doing on on the mayor's council. Uh, you know, I recognize my mandate's coming to to an end, so it's it's not appropriate for me to putting you know bold new radical changes. That that I have to leave that for for the next group, but. There are a lot of things that uh, you know that I've been really passionate working on uh, that I, I want to see through. And you know, as an example, you know, on, on TransLink landing the region's long-range transportation plan, Transport 2050, uh, this uh, this spring, you know, that was something that was really important to me to get that across the finish line. And uh, you know, we still have more work to do with an investment plan and the next mayor's 10-year vision. But I'm hoping by summer those two things can be be accomplished. So, uh, and and locally here in, in New Westminster, it's just about taking some important files we're working on uh, climate change or reconciliation and 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 kind of finishing up nicely, but also setting the scene for whether it's the next uh, new West city council or the next mayor's council to be really a good position to, uh, to, to have a good start uh, moving in, in the next term. And looking at the community of new West and your 17 years on council, are there, I'm sure you have dozens and dozens of moments that, you know, are, are real highlights, but are there one or two that you could share with us that really stand out as a project uh, or initiative or a moment that you just, you know, resonates with you or you're really proud of? Yeah, well, you know, I, 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 there's, there's probably a number that can come to, to mind, and you know, on a policy side, I'm, I'm really proud of the work we've done on affordable housing and, and climate change locally. But, uh, you know, on, on a more personal level, uh, there's a, a brand new riverfront park that was built about ten years ago. In it's Minnesota, beautiful. Pier Park, and uh, you know, me and my family, we're, we're down there constantly in, uh, in the weekend, and just to not only enjoy it as a family, but actually to see hundreds of residents and visitors using that space, uh, you know, it always, it warms your heart to know I was a part of that, that project. And, and no doubt so many community partners were a big part of making that happen. But it's, you know, that's the beauty of local government too, is when you make positive change in your community, you see it right in your neighborhood. And I think that's, you know, that's the joy of, of this type of work. And this is why, you know, I, I always encourage people, if you really care about your local communities, 
uh, you know, think about putting your name forward if it if it's a good fit for for you for for council or or for mayor or, or school board. Small communities, maybe, but big impacts. Um, and and absolutely hear you on that. So as you think about this chapter ending and looking to the next, uh, any thoughts on what you'll do after your term as mayor? Yeah, well, definitely, definitely starting to put uh, put some thoughts to that. Uh, you know, haven't haven't nailed that down exactly where where the next chapter will be, but. Um, you know, I have a feeling it's it's still going to be related to to my passion in cities because although I'm kind of ready to uh, to uh, take a break from uh, politics and move on to my next chapter, uh, you know, I think the the passion is still very much there for uh, for all of the the important work that's needed around cities. So I, I'm not exactly sure where that next chapter will be, but uh, you know, if I have an inkling and if I follow my heart, my gut tells me I'm still going to be involved in uh, in cities in some capacity. Well, that's very good news for our region. And as we close out, you know, I want to take a moment and thank you. I know it's very difficult serving in public office in 17 years is you're giving up a lot of personal and family time and very grateful that you've done that for a region. So thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Really appreciated the conversation. Well, thank you, Bridget. It's uh, It's been a delight to have, have this discussion today.